Welcome to the FBCLB podcast, where you'll find the preaching of Dave Delaney, pastor of the First Baptist Church of Long Beach. Thanks for listening. 2 Corinthians in chapter 8 this evening, and the, the goal of the night is to uh, simply give you a pattern from God's Word for why we choose to approach our giving to missions in the way that we do. And the question for each of us tonight is, how should we give to missions? And what is the best model? What is the best way? Is there a way that is better for us as a church? And is there a way that is better for us individually? We have traditionally here at First Baptist chosen a model that is referred to as faith promise missions. Now, some of you, that term will be very familiar to you. Some of you, that term is brand new, and you're going, okay, pastor, what's that all about? And some of you are going, I know what that phrase is, but I don't know actually, I don't know why we do it that way. Why do we choose to support missions the way that we do? And so for this evening, my goal is to kind of walk through a few examples in the Word of God for why we approach missions giving, missions supporting, and missions sending in the way that we do. And my, my intended expectation is that when we get to the end of the service tonight, that everyone in this room would immediately say, yes, I'm in. Yes, I'm in. I want to be a part of that. And so the goal is not to get to the end and go, well, I haven't decided if I'm going to give or not. The, the, the goal is to get to the end tonight and to prayerfully go in toward the weekend so that on Sunday, the only question being asked and answered is, how much am I going to support missions? Not am I going to, but, but how much am I going to support missions? So we're going to begin with the most basic question. Does the Bible use the term faith, promise, missions? And the answer to that is no. You can search your concordance and you will not find the terminology faith, promise, missions. It's not, it's not there. But the Bible does give several examples of people who gave two and through their local church for specific projects or missions or issues or situations that were outside of their local church. There is a pattern in the scriptures that we see about how individual believers who are worshiping and fellowshipping and serving together on a weekend at a local congregation, how that these members give through their congregation to support missionary endeavors, to support other projects, to support other ministries in other parts of the world, in other places that they had never been. They were giving money to people that they never met. They were supporting men who they had heard their testimony, they believed their witness and word, and they were convinced and convicted in their spirit, and they gave out of the abundance that they had in order to meet the need where, for a group of people that they have never met, 
in a part of the world that they'd never been to, in a city that they never walked through because of what they heard by way of testimony. Our regular giving is done through tithes. And we give to our local church through tithing. And when we tithe, we support our local programs. We, we work toward our local pr purposes. That helps us accomplish what we are trying to accomplish individually here at our church, locally, what we're trying to do in our own city. But there are a few occasions in the Scriptures where there are these gifts that are collected and then distributed for other places and other situations and in other times for the purpose of helping someone else in some other city, in some other place, at some other time. This offering, which is patterned for us right here in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, this offering is taken up by local churches. It's not taken up by one church. It's taken up by a group of local churches for the purpose of supporting people in a far-off land. Supporting churches in a far-off land. Supporting ministries and missions and projects and situations in a place that these individuals had never gone, they never been, they never visited, and they were not aware of before they had heard the testimony of certain individuals. It is a great template, in my opinion, for what we call faith, promise, missions, giving. So you're in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Let's start in verse number 1. And here we see God's grace evidence. Look at verse number 1. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. So you'll notice right out of the gate, Paul is saying that this is a measure. Giving and a response that prompts giving is always a measure of God's grace in our hearts. That when God is working in us, when God is working through us, when we see God working in other parts of the world, when we see His work going forward in other places, when we see His purposes being accomplished in other regions, that one of the evidences that God's grace is at work in our lives is when we see or hear or come to know of needs in other places that we give generously in order to help meet that need. Sometimes when we talk about giving, we always talk about an amount or we always talk about a person and this person gave so much or these people did so much. But what you'll see here is Paul says this is actually an evidence of God's grace at work in someone's heart. And you'll notice he says this grace is at work in the churches of Macedonia. Now he's writing to the churches at Corinth. Corinth was in a region of the world called Achaia, which is more like southern Palestine, that area. Uh, in the Middle East, it would be more south. Uh, Macedonia would be along the coastline. So Paul is in Macedonia, and he's writing to the churches that are down in the region of Achaia, in specific, the church in Corinth. But the churches in Macedonia would have been some of those most famous churches, like the church at Berean. 
Man, those, how that, those Bereans searched the Scriptures every day when they heard Paul's sermon, and then they searched these things out to see if they were so. The, the church at Thessalonica, that's also in the area of Macedonia. And Paul had gone church to church. He'd gone to Corinth. He'd gone to Macedonia. When, on Sunday mornings, we'll get up into Galatia. Paul goes into Galatia, and he preaches to the churches there. There is a great need in Jerusalem. There are poor people in Jerusalem. Jerusalem. The gospel needs to be given out in Jerusalem. We all need to give in order to help those in Jerusalem. And so Paul is going church to church and he's presenting the need that the church in Jerusalem has. And he's saying this. He's saying, you need to give in order to help meet this need for these churches. You need to give in order that the gospel would be proclaimed in Jerusalem. That you and I need to give. And the churches are responding to this. The church in Corinth responded to that. The church in Macedonia responded to that. The churches in Galatia responded to that. And Paul has said this already to the church at Corinth. Paul's already been to Corinth, and he's preached to them the need that is in Jerusalem, and he said, you need to respond to this. And they took up an offering right there on site, and they made these huge pledges and these huge promises, and they said, here's our commitment. We're going to give to those churches in need in Jerusalem. And now Paul has sent Titus back to the church, and he said, Titus, go collect the offering from, from Corinth. Get the one or two leaders or representatives that they are choosing to send with us to Jerusalem. Go get them. Titus went to the church to collect the offering. There was no offering or at least little offering. So Titus comes back to Paul and Titus says, Paul, we got bad news. The church did not collect the offering. And, and it was very little. They didn't give like they said they were going to give. And so Paul writes back to the church at Corinth. That's why you have the second letter. The second letter, 2 Corinthians, is Paul writing back to the church. And what he's going to say is, do what you said you were going to do. Give what you said you were going to give. I presented the need to you, and, now, and you responded at the initial outset, and now you've fallen short of what you've said you were going to give, so follow through with your commitment and give what you said you were going to give. You were so eager to give at the very beginning, but now you're, 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 you're trailing off, you're falling away, you're stepping by the wayside, and you're not doing all that you said you would originally do. So Paul writes this letter. Look at verse number two. How that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. So Paul is talking about the church at Macedonia. He is saying they were poor, they were beyond poor, and yet these poor people have given an offering that was far beyond anything that any one of us would have expected. So these, these poor people who hardly have anything at all are willing to give everything in order to meet the need. Look at verse number three. For to their power I bear record, yea, that beyond their power they are willing of themselves. So here are these poor people giving above and beyond even what Paul thought was capable. 
Paul says, I know how much they have. I know how much they're living on. I've been to their houses. I've seen their churches. I know where their kids go to school and what clothes or shoes their kids wear to school. And I'm telling you, this church is giving beyond its ability to give. Look at verse number five, or rather verse number four. Praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering of the saints. Paul says they were begging us to take the offering. They would not take no for an answer. We said, no, don't give this much money. We know what you do and don't have. This is way beyond what you should be doing. This is way beyond your power. And yet this church would not take no for an answer. This church said this, don't rob us of being a blessing. Don't rob us of being a blessing. We want to be a blessing, so let us give. And Paul, don't rob us. Please take this offering and go and be a minister to the saints for us. Please do this for us. So we see God's grace evidence, but we see number two, God's grace examined. Look at verse number five. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave of their own selves unto the Lord and unto us by the will of God. A true giver is someone who has first given himself to the Lord. And when it comes to giving, there is always a proper relationship with the Lord. Look at verse number six. Insomuch that we desired Titus, that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you. Now he's talking to the church of Corinth. So we, we desired Titus. This is why I sent Titus to you sent Titus to you so that we could see in you this same grace being finished, which started. This is why we sent him to you. Look at, look at, verse, number, uh, look at verse number seven. So, so therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith, and utterance, and knowledge, and in all diligence, and in your love to us, see that you abound in this grace also. So this is a church that had this very unique giftedness. But they had, they had all this talent. That's what he's saying. This church had all this giftedness. It had all this talent. It had all this opportunity. And yet what we're seeing is that giftedness does not always equal godliness. And I want you to write that down. Giftedness does not always equal godliness. There was a grace, there was a godliness that was evidenced in Macedonia that moved them to give. And it revealed a godliness, a grace at work in them. And what Paul is saying is, now, church at Corinth, I want to see that same grace evidenced in you. See that you abound in this grace also, the grace of what? The grace of giving. You, you have a wonderful gift of faith. You have a wonderful gift of, of utterance, of knowledge. You have the best teachers. You have the best buildings. You have the hardest workers. You have an unbelievable love for me. And yet, I want to see this grace abound in you as well. So we see them examining this. Look, number three, last one, verse number eight. We see God's grace extended. Look at verse number eight. 
And I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the frowardness of others to prove the sincerity of your love. So this offering that Paul is taking up is not compulsory. Right? This offering Paul is taking up is not required. This offering that Paul is taking up is not obligated. It's not give by obligation. It's, it's not give by manipulation. It's give according to the occasion to prove the sincerity of your love. What Paul is saying is, this church in Macedonia had a lot less, but they are giving a lot more. And you, church of Corinth, who have a lot more, you're giving a lot less, and yet you've made such a big show, you had such a to-do about it, there was all this talk, but there was no walk. That's what he's saying. He's saying you had all this talk about how you were going to give to the churches at Jerusalem, and now when it came time to the offering, you did not give. You said you loved these people. You said you loved the work we were doing. You said you loved the, 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 the believers in Jerusalem. You said you loved the gospel to be spread there. And yet, and yet, I want to see the sincerity or the, the proof of your love. Look at verse number 9. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be made rich. So look at verse number 10. So herein is my advice. This is wonderful pastoral counsel. So herein is my advice. For this is expedient for you. That word expedient means beneficial. This is good for you to do. That's what he's saying. I'm going to give you my advice now. This is, this is beneficial. This is a good thing for you to do. You're going to see this in a minute, but this is where Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And how many people in our world actually believe that? Christmas is coming. And how many of us believe it's actually better to give a gift than to get a gift? And some of us are like, I don't know about that, Pastor. I mean, don't be mad at me if Jesus said that. And Paul is saying the same thing. This is... This is a beneficial, this is expedient, this is a good thing for you to do. And my advice is that you do it. So, so look what he says. Here's my advice. That ye who have begun before, not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. He's saying, now, what you said you were going to do a year ago, now it's time for you to do it. What you committed to do, now it's time to perform it. What you pledged, now it's time to perform the pledge. What you committed, now it's time to actually give the offering. That's what he's saying. Look at verse number 12. For if there first be a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath, and not according to that he hath not. So if you have occasion to give, it's beneficial, it's good for you to give. It's, it, 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 it only brings you extra blessing if you do give. This is my advice to you that you would give. And not just that, but when you do give, if you're willing to, that you should give out of what you hath and not according to that you hath not. Listen, here's what he's saying. Don't be good at giving something away that you don't have. This is what we're good at. Well, if I had it, I would give it. Well, Lord, if, if I win the lottery, well, then I'll support missions then. 
And you're smirking, but I'm not. If I, well, well, if I ever got that promotion, well, then I'd support missions, and then I'd give more to the church, and then I'd help, help accomplish projects around the world. And what Paul is saying is, don't be good at giving away things that you don't have. Instead, be good at giving away the things that you do have. It's the same idea. If you're first willing, you have the occasion, it's beneficial to do. If you're willing to do it, this is what you ought to do. You ought to give out of the ability. Notice, if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath. What is accepted? The, the offering is accepted according to what? According to what you have, not according to what you do not have. Look at verse number 13. For I mean that other men, for I mean not that other men be eased and ye be burdened. Here's what he's saying. He said, I'm not telling you to go empty your bank account. I'm not, I'm not telling you to deplete your 401k. I'm not telling you to give away your retirement. I'm not telling you to sell your house, move into a cardboard box, and then take the proceeds from your house sale and give that to the poor people of Jerusalem. Why? Because then when I get to Jerusalem, I'll have to tell them there's all kinds of believers in Corinth who need some money, so can you give now to them? He said, this isn't going to be good for anybody. That's for you to go broke in order to support somebody else. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, if there's occasion, if there's opportunity, it's, it's beneficial to do. And, and, and if you can give out of what you have, and if you can give as a way to, to ease a burden on someone else without placing the extra burden on you. Look at verse number 14 then. But by an equality that now at this time your abundance may be a supply for their want that their abundance also may be a supply for your want that there may be equality. So here's what he's saying. Everyone is going through life, and as we go through life, we end up in different seasons financially. We end up in different seasons as it relates to our business, or as it relates to prospering, or as it relates to abundance, or as it relates to what we have. We end up in different seasons, and because we're all in different seasons, then when you're in a season of abundance... So when you're in a season where you are receiving a lot, well then when you receive a lot, don't just take and hoard and spend on yourself, but use that opportunity as a way to give to those in need. Why? Because there'll come a time when you need someone to give to you. And when you need someone to give to you, then I'll go to Jerusalem and I'll tell them the same need you have. And they'll respond to that. And in that way, there may be, look at the end of the verse, verse 14, there may be equality. Our generation, our, our time frame will go down in history as a time where we lived in America with abundance. Just comparatively, we live in the lap of luxury. We have a lot, don't we, church? We have a lot. Not even just compared to people in our own, in our own societal structure, not even compared to people in our own neighborhoods, not even compared to people in our own 
world but, or, or, or state or, or country. We have a lot compared to them, but we have a lot compared to people in other parts of the world. And I feel like sometimes we don't realize just how much we do have. This is why, this is why mission trips are such a good thing. This is why when we take a trip down to the orphanage in Mexico or the, 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 the children's home in Mexico, this is why you ought to go. This is why you ought to make your sons and daughters go. This is why you ought to take your teenagers there. This is why we ought to go to, to third, parts, third world parts of, of, of third world regions and we ought to minister. This is why we ought to do that because it's a good thing to do to, to just really remember how much we have. I was talking with one of our men. He's here tonight. I won't embarrass him, but I was talking with him this past week, and he said that. He said, Pastor, I think sometimes these kids growing up don't realize just how much they have. He said, this was not the way it was for me when I was growing up. And now, here's what he said, now I am a I am a beneficiary of having so much more than even anyone in my family had. How many of you are kind of like that? I mean, you have more than even anybody in your family has. Just comparatively, the Lord has really blessed you in that way. And man, at the time of your abundance, give. Give. Look at verse 15. As it is written then, he that hath gathered much had nothing left over, and he that had gathered little had no lack, but thanks be to God. He's using a reference there. He, he's, he's referring back to when the children of Israel went out and got manna, and when they collected manna. And what he's saying is there were some that went out, they had all kinds of strength, and they gathered early in the morning, and they ended up with a bunch. And then there were some that, were, that they went out, they didn't have near as much strength. Maybe they didn't have as big of pots and pans, but they gathered just the same. But the folks who gathered a lot, and the folks who gathered a little in the economy of eternity, guess what? They ended up with the same. And this is how God's economy works. He's saying, but thanks be to God. And then notice this, which put the same earnest care in the heart of Titus for you. This is why I sent Titus to you. And this is the concern and care that Titus has for you. That in your time of need, there would be people who would be responsive to that need. Okay, so what does this mean for us? It means, I think, at least a few things. I'm going to give them to you just practically. It first provides us a context for why we should give. And I want you to write these down. It provides us a context for why we should give. Notice what Paul is doing. Paul is going church to church, and he's raising money individually in these individual churches for specific needs in parts of the world. Paul is going church to church and he's trying to raise a collection. He's trying to get enough money so that he and several representatives from each of these churches can go down into Jerusalem and minister. Paul is doing what these five missionaries who will be with us this weekend, Paul is doing the exact same thing that they are doing. Going church to church, presenting needs, giving their burden, revealing why the need is so great to reach this group of people in that part of the world and why they feel specifically called to do so. And Paul was casting a vision for these churches and Paul is, and, and this is what these missionaries are doing for us. Look now, verse chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, look at verse number 1. 
This is where Paul did that vision casting. This is what will happen on Saturday night when the missionaries show their mission video presentations. This is why we want you to be here. This is why I want you to be here. I'm going to make the plans to be here Saturday night. And don't, don't cut out early, but stay all the way to the end and watch all the video presentations because this is the same thing. Paul, he doesn't have a slideshow. He doesn't have a projector. He doesn't, he doesn't have a fancy video, but he does the same thing. And he has no booth or prayer card, but he goes into the churches. And this is what he does. Look at verse number one. Now, the con now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Okay, so he's saying, just like I told them at Corinth, just like I told them in, in, uh, in Macedonia, just like I told them in, in uh, uh, Thessalonica and in Berea, just like I told them uh, up in Galatia, just like I told all these other churches, I'm telling you, here's the need and here is how we should respond. Look at verse number two. When should we bring these offerings then? Look at verse two. Upon the first day of the week. That's Sunday. So on Sunday, you should bring an offering and let everyone. So, so look here. Let everybody do this. Listen, listen to me, teenagers. Let everyone do this. Listen, boys and girls. Let everyone do this. And give, supporting faith promise missions is not just for adults. It's, it's not just for the big people. It's not just for the mature people. That's what we say. We say mature not old. It's not just for the mature people. It's let everyone do this. Let the young couples do this. Let the singles members do this. Let the teenagers do this. Let the children do this. Let the senior adults do it too, but let everyone do this. On when? On Sunday. Let everyone of you lay by him in and store as God hath prospered him that there be no gatherings when I come. So everyone should do this as the Lord hath prospered, which is ultimately this. Your giving is between you and God. As the Lord has blessed you, as the Lord has given occasion, as the Lord has provided for you, as you live in abundance, as God is blessed, you give. Here's the need presented. Now everyone should do this. Notice this. Look at verse number 3 and 4. So that when I come, whomsoever... Ye shall approve by your letters, them will I send and bring your liberality unto Jerusalem. And if it be me that I go also, they shall go with me. So here's the entire idea. Paul is raising money, asking it from the churches, saying it's between you and God to bring on Sunday. Here's what he's saying. There should be a systematic, week by week, voluntary giving in order to help those who are ministering in parts of the world that we have never been. Do you see that? It isn't, it doesn't say, this is the chapter about faith promise. He says, this is the chapter about voluntary giving that's between you and God as God has blessed you, not giving out of what you don't have, but giving out of what you do have. As, as you have occasion to give, do so week by week in a systematic way to men that you have approved, that you have heard, that you have trusted so that we don't have to spend all this energy when I get there in order to convince you to give to these men. That's what he's saying. 
He's also teaching us a way in which the offering is to be respected. And we should give to people that we trust. We should give to men and missions that are trustworthy. We should have clear and stated expectations for what we want for our missionaries. And we as givers should know that institutionally, the monies being given are being taken care of with very strict internal control and very strict oversight being given. For them, that was Titus and several administrators that they had appointed in the church. For us, that's a financial administrator like Michael, a financial secretary like Betty, and several men on our deacon board who commit to make sure that the monies collected for those things go to those things. And I can testify to you as a church on this point. God has gifted us with good men who are sincere to make sure that money's collected go to where we said they would go. Dollars collected from missionaries go to missionaries because it's the right way to do it. And Paul is saying the same thing. He's saying, set this in order. So... That was 1 Corinthians. And so here's, here's what happened. When Paul says this in chapter 16, the church is so excited. They go, yes, and they give a big amount of money. And then they make this huge pledge and promise. So now you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and Paul is saying, where's the offering? Because in chapter 16 of the first letter, you were so excited to be a part of this. And now here we are a year later, and you have not fulfilled your pledge from a year before. So now, now where's the offering? Now why have you not done what you promised that you would do? What happened? Well, if you know anything about the letters to the church at Corinth, you know one thing is true. The church at Corinth is a very carnal church. If the church at Corinth existed today, you and I would not go to it. You read the problems that they have in the church. Very illicit, open, illicit, immoral relationships taking place inside of the church and people are sitting on opposite sides of the auditorium saying, I think this is okay. And these people are saying, I think this is wrong. And then you have these false teachers that have come in and they're preaching false doctrine that's not according to the doctrine of which Paul had first delivered there. You have all these heresies being taught. You have false teachers standing in the pulpit teaching and preaching. You have dissension and sin and carnality taking place among its members. And you have this church that has become inward focused and not outward focused and their inward focus has dried up their generosity. If you and I do not maintain a healthy walk with God, then we will not maintain consistency in the giving. And one of the reasons why Maybe not the only, but one of the reasons why the Corinthians giving tanked is because they became a very carnal church. And when we lose emphasis on the Lord Jesus Christ, His cross, 
his death, burial, and resurrection, then we lose the understanding of what and why we should be givers. Because Jesus is the ultimate standard for giving. This is Paul's argument in 2 Corinthians 8. Look at what Jesus gave. Now, give accordingly. And so he's making this kind of baseline implication that when you fully grasp what God did for you through Jesus, you open your hand gladly and you say, please, Lord, use this offering. But when you take your eyes off of that and you move them all inward, well, I'm mad at sister so-and-so and I'm mad at brother so-and-so and I don't like him and I don't like that and they did this and that was my Sunday school classroom. And you take your eyes off of what the Lord Jesus did and you move them all inward. It is a matter of time before the open hand closes. And it's no longer a generous spirit. It's the selfish inward spirit that just says, I've got to take care of me and mine. And when our relationship with the Lord is not healthy and our giving will not be generous, and let's face it, we've all done this. And before we sit over the top of 1 Corinthians and go, shame, shame, Corinthians, we've all done the same thing. So it gives us a context for this. It gives us, number two, a comparison. That's really verse number one. We already read it, but that's verse number one to verse number uh, 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 eight of 2 Corinthians chapter eight. Paul provides a comparison. Look at the church at Macedonia. Look at the church at Corinth. And maybe you're sitting here tonight and you say, Pastor, I thought you weren't supposed to, I thought we weren't supposed to compare ourselves among ourselves because that's not wise. Well, the same guy who said, do not compare yourselves among yourself, is the same guy who says, I look at the church in Macedonia and I think, wow. And I look at your church and I think, what happened, right? The same guy who wrote both those letters is the, sa the same guy who said both of those things. So why is it in one sense he's saying we shouldn't do this, and why in another sense is he saying let's do this? And here's why. Because comparison to each other by way of justifying morality or justifying righteousness or justifying decisions is never wise. But comparison to each other that provokes and encourages and motivates us toward love and good works is a good comparison. Comparison that gives me or you the ability to go, wow, I'm really, really spiritual and you're not. That kind of comparison is neither wise nor good nor healthy nor spiritual. But the kind of comparison that says, man, I can't believe that this church who had not nearly as much as we do can give so much. Man, why can't we who have so much give like they have given? Let's try to be like they are. And really what Paul writes, and we'll see this on Sunday, Lord willing, what Paul writes and Paul says, this is actually to the embarrassment of everyone involved. Because here, each individual representative of the churches is going to go down with Paul to Jerusalem, and they're going to present the offerings. And the church at Macedonia, who everyone knows has nothing, is going to present this offering that they gave out of their liberality, far beyond they ever had ability. These really poor people gave a really lot of money. And now here's the church at Corinth, and its leaders are going to step forward, and it's going to give the offering, and that's going to be to their shame. And not just theirs, but everybody involved. 
That's, that's chapter 9. If you don't want that lesson, then, then avoid Sunday morning. Volunteer for parking lot duty because that's where we're going on Sunday morning. So Paul provides a comparison. Number three, Paul provides a confrontation. Look at verse number eight of chapter eight. I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the, of the forwardness of, your, of, of, of the forwardness of others to prove the sincerity. Literally, that word, to prove the sincerity, that phrase is to see if it was real. To see if it was real. He says, I'm not, I'm not giving you a commandment. I'm not telling you a figure. I'm not giving you a percentage. You pledged and gave your love. You said you wanted to do this. Now, all I'm asking, was that something that was real or was that something that was just emotional? Man, there's some good wisdom in that right there. If we would just live out the decision we made, this happens a lot of times at teen camps or conferences, if we would just live out the decision we made and were authentic in it, man, well then a lot of the confrontation would actually go away. And that's the same thing being said here. Provides a confrontation. He uses Christ as an example. That's really verse number nine. Christ had a throne. He left glory. He left heaven. He laid it all down for you and for me. He who was infinitely rich became infinitely poor in that he died on the cross for you and for me. So since Jesus did that for me, what can we give back? He provides good counsel. That's verse number 10. We talked about this, verse number 10, verse number 11. He says it's expedient for you. It's, it's just beneficial for you to give. It's not a thou shalt or thou shalt not. He's simply telling them what he believes is the best way to go about giving. I'm simply telling you what I believe the best way to support missions and mission endeavors in our world at this time is, and I believe it is through Faith Promise Missions, and I believe one of those or five of those worthy investments will be with us this weekend. And I praise the Lord that by the end of the year, Lord willing, we will have taken on nine brand new missionaries this year. Our goal was eight, and we got nine. Next year, that goal needs to be 10, or 12, or 15. You have to, to prove out of this, to give out of the abundance. Why? And because, of, because we understand all that God has given to you and all that given to me. Because the fulfillment of giving is better than just the promise of giving. Solomon says the same thing. Man, the end of the matter is better than the beginning of the matter. Sometimes we get so excited about starting something, but we don't ever see it through. Because Solomon, the wisest man in all the world, that better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. Man, better to make a promise, see it all the way through beginning to the end, and then fulfill the, the promise that you made. That is a great feeling to go, I did what I set out to do. That's a great feeling. I did all that God asked me to do. And Paul provides them this counsel. Paul provides them, lastly, a case. And we'll, we'll talk more about that on Sunday, Lord willing. How can we give then? Number one, be in prayer right now for what the Lord would have you to pledge for faith promise commitments. It's Sunday evening. We will not take up a cash offering per se, but we will take up pledges. We'll take up commitment cards. We'll ask you to make a pledge 
This pledge helps us to know what we can and cannot accomplish by way of supporting missionaries, not just through the end of this year, but on into next. The pledges give us an idea of where we will be in our faith promise and what we can accomplish through faith promise. So number one, be in prayer for what the Lord would have you to do. There's no commandment. Just as the Lord is blessed. And this is, this is, in my opinion, it's my counsel to you. This is a worthy endeavor and a worthy investment to be a part of. Sending missionaries to parts of the world that need the gospel, that do not have the gospel, and most of them are in dire straits, is a good and worthy investment, one of which causes our investment to change from temporal to eternal. Changes. When you support the cause of missions, your dollars move from being burned up in this world to being stored up in eternity where it can never be taken away. This is why you ought to do it. You want to be a part? Get the missionary donation list and find which ones you can do. Some of you have already done some. Some of us can do more. You want to be a part? Help us in taking out our missionaries. On Saturday morning, we're, we're, we want to take our missionaries out. We've got some child care being provided here at the church. We want to take our missionary ladies out all by themselves. We don't want the children. We don't want the husbands. We're going to take the ladies. We're going to go out all by themselves. My wife, some of the other staff wives are going to go. You're, if you're a lady, you're more than welcome to attend. We're going to take them out. We want to spoil them. We want to buy them a nice new fancy dress, a nice new fancy outfit. We're going to get them a purse. We're going to buy them some shoes. We want to treat them right. We want them to leave here going, this church really loved us. If you can't go, but you'd like to give to that, then give. Just stop by the table and say, I want to help, I want to help, I want to help that. I want to help Pastor and his wife as they take the missionary ladies or men out. We want to take the men out. We'd like to buy them a, a, a brand new suit or shoes or backpack or whatever gadget or gizmo they like. One of our missionaries will be in Africa by the end of this year. Perhaps a suit isn't the best thing to give him. So if he wants a rugged steel-toed boots, that's what we're going to buy him if that's what he wants, all right? I'm going to take them out. We just want to spoil them on Saturday morning. Come prepared to give on Sunday evening. And many of you have seen this. It's, if you haven't seen if you're new, it's most, one of the most unbelievable services you'll ever be a part of in your life. It's, it's, what I, it's what I was told. I didn't believe it, and then I saw it. And how many of you are like me? You're like, yeah, now I believe it. How many of you know what I'm talking about right now? Yeah. We'll have our missionaries stationed around the room, and we'll just line up across the back, and family by family, we'll go through, and we'll just give to the missionaries. Write them a note. Give them some cash. Give them a gift card. It doesn't matter what you can do. Do something. Give out of the abundance of your heart. Give as the Lord has prospered you. Don't give what you don't have, but certainly give if you do. This is beneficial. This is profitable. This is expedient for you. It takes what is temporary, and it makes it eternal. Maybe for you, you could provide lunches or dinners. Maybe you'd like to have a missionary family over to your house. Find Michael at the end of the service. Find out when the schedule, what missionary would be best for you to have over. Maybe you say, I'd like to have one in my home. We don't, we don't keep our missionaries in individual houses anymore. We do that really more for their convenience than for anything else. But I always enjoy having my children sit and listen to missionaries talk. 
I want him to hear the stories. I want him to fall in love with those ideas. I want him to have that sense of risk and adventure. And man, what God is doing and how God is moving in other parts. Well, how will that happen, mom and dad, if you don't ever have your kids sit with a missionary? If you don't have them talk to them? If you don't, if you don't tell them, go ask them their favorite color or their favorite food. Boys and girls, that's why we have this right here. This is what we're calling our children's passport. You open this up, you put your name and your grade on the inside. And then we have each of our individual missionaries on the inside of this. Each, all five missionaries that will be here. And boys and girls, you'll get one of these on Saturday at the banquet if you're there. And we want you to take it to each of these. If you complete each of the missionaries, if you complete this, Brother Raphael is going to have a snicker bar or a candy bar or something for you. If you get it completed, you show it to him. And then we want you to keep this with you. Reminder to pray for your missionaries. But it's also, Mom and Dad, this is also a great tool to cause our children to interact with the missionaries. That our children don't look at the missionaries and go, wow, they're weird. Can you touch them? And it's a place for you to sign, a, a, a couple questions for you to ask them, their favorite food, their favorite verse, and then we want you to get their signature and their life verse. Well, why? This is a beneficial, this is expedient for us to do. This is a good thing to participate in. It's a good thing to be a part of. I'm just going to close in prayer. No formal invitation tonight. We're not taking an offering. There'll be no play to the back door. Simply this. How will you be a part? The question really isn't, should you be a part? You already know the answer to that. The question is, to what degree will you be a part of this? Some of you haven't bought your ticket. You haven't signed up. Maybe you're thinking, I'm going to skip out on Saturday. Don't skip out on Saturday. Come and be a part of that. This is where you'll hear the testimony. This is where you'll watch the video presentations. This is where you'll listen to a man and a woman and, his, and, and their children tell you why this is an important endeavor. Man, this is how we listen to discern trustworthiness from these men. I've done my due diligence. We've asked them questions on what they believe and doctrines they have and what their intended goals and pleasure are. But don't just listen to me say it. You come and you listen to them. Hear their own testimony. Ask them the questions. That's why we have a Q&A on Sunday morning. Be in connection group hour and be on time. That's 10 o'clock, not 10.30. Connection group starts at 10 o'clock, not 10.30. So be here on time. So you can ask questions, so you can be a part, so you can hear, so you can be knowledgeable about this. So together as a church, we can know that the monies we're giving, the, the way that we're responding to the Lord, that it is being done in a way that's trustworthy and helpful and beneficial.